The following sermon is by Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Please visit us at 2100 Noble Road in Raleigh or on the web at ebcraleigh.com. And now, here's Pastor Steve. Take your Bible and turn to John chapter number 20, if you would. John chapter number 20. What marvelous, wonderful music today. Great time to fellowship, pray, give, to sing together. As you're finding your place, John chapter number 20, in your pew Bible in front of you, that's page 1049 if you're looking for that. I want to thank all of the folks that work so hard to provide the brunch for us today. I want to say if you're visiting with us today, how thankful we are that you're with us. And you have found a group of people who are far from perfect. We are broken. We are messed up in many ways. But we have found Jesus Christ to be alive and well today. And He has healed us of our sins by His work on the cross of Calvary. And He rose again to give us new life. And we invite you to come be with us, not only this Sunday, but every Sunday. You have found friends here. You have found people who are like-minded. And we are trying to put Christ first in our life and to esteem others better than ourselves. We're family here. So if you're looking for a family, welcome. John chapter number 20. Let me read this famous text for us. We'll have a word of prayer. I'll say a few words. John chapter number 20, verse number 11, picking up, of course, the first uh, 10 verses there speak about uh, the beloved uh, John and Peter. They're racing to the tomb. And, uh, and then we find here this beautiful little section, verse 11 through verse number 18. Let me read this for you. But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been. Then they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Notice there the weeping the second time. She said to them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. And did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Notice there a third time. Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, One word, Mary, her name. And notice now for the second time she turns again and said to him, Rabuni which is to say teacher or master or really my teacher, my master. Verse number 17, Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord, that He had spoken these things to her. And may the Lord add his blessing to the reading of the word of the living God. Let us bow for a word of prayer. 
Our Father, we love you and thank you. We, we give glory and honor and praise to you the very best that we can. Lord, in, in, in body, soul, and spirit, word, thought, and deed, we give ourselves over to you. So thankful for our risen King Jesus. Lord, I pray that uh, this day would be special in all of our hearts. I pray for every believer today that maybe this would be a moment where, uh, of recommitment to the message of the gospel of Jesus. I pray that you would push aside the weeds and the dirt and the dust of our life. That you'd remind us today through the power of the Spirit of God and the risen King Jesus that we belong to you. I pray for my uh, friends that are here today, maybe visiting family members or folks from our community or maybe just friends or neighbors, coworkers of our church members. They're visiting for the first time today. Father, I pray that if um, they don't know you as Lord and Savior, then I pray they would bring down the walls of defenses and questions and opinions and things they've heard. And I pray that we allow the power of the Word of God and the gospel of Jesus to penetrate into their heart to save them, Lord from eternal judgment, but to give them power and grace and hope in this life to live life with Christ Jesus now and forevermore. And we'll love you and bless you, for it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. In this time, uh, I recognize we're all here, and many of you have family members. We have friends that are here today, and you probably have many things to do this afternoon as well, too. And So I, I just wanted uh, this week to kind of hone down and really just give you three thoughts from this passage that you might be able to carry with you as you go. And, and here's the first thought that I want you to know, and that is that the resurrection of the Lord Jesus is absolutely a historical fact and an event. You see, we all want to get to Mary Magdalene there, and we will in a moment because uh, our first uh, inclination toward the gospel and the resurrection is that personal encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you don't know Jesus, you can stop many of our believers in this room on your way out today, and they will tell you about when they first experienced Christ, when they came to know Him, whether it be through a service or a mother or a father or a friend or somebody shared with them the good news that Jesus died and rose again to save them, and they encountered in a powerful way, as Mary did, the saving knowledge of Jesus. But I want you to understand that the text that we read today, though we'll get to the personal nature of Mary, understand that there is no doubt the resurrection of Jesus Christ is absolutely grounded in real life concrete history. What we believe in this room and what we hold to and what we preach and sing about and talk about, it is not some sort of ethereal world. It is not something that just makes us feel good, that gives us the warm fuzzies. It is, we love to raise our hands and worship King Jesus, but it is not just the emotional nature of the gospel. We want you to understand that the message that we preach and the text that is before us is grounded truly and surely in history historical fact, Jesus rose from the grave. 
Now you may be saying, Pastor Steve, we're here today and many of us in here were believers, but I want you to understand that in the day and time in which we live, you would need to look no further than the New York Times op-ed article yesterday uh, where they interviewed Serene Jones from Union University out of New York City, who is supposed to be the representative of the theological point of view. And she says that of course the resurrection is a fable, but we can still believe in the love of Jesus that moves on forward. I want you to understand that that is false. What kind of liars would we be if we pleaded with people all around the world and at your work and in your family who do, know not, do not know Christ? What kind of people would we be to tell them that this is a life or death matter? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ if the resurrection was simply a figment of our imaginations. No, you must accept the resurrection of Jesus Christ bodily, physically, Christ the Lord, risen today, alive and well. Jesus died on the cross. He was placed in the tomb. He was dead. And three days later, on the morning of the third day, Jesus rose from the grave. Amen and amen. If you don't believe that, you're not a Christian. If you don't believe that, you believe something else than what the Bible teaches. Some people might say, well, the Gospel of John is a very uh, fragrant book and it is filled with metaphors and all of these ideas. But chapter number 20 is just as much grounded in a literal text as chapter number 19. In fact, chapter 20 has place and time for the resurrection, just as we have in chapter number 19, the place and time of the crucifixion. So we have on the day of preparation in chapter number 19, Christ going to the cross and this is fulfilled in history. And we have the crucifixion of Christ. So in chapter number 20, do we have the first day of the week and Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. It is a place in time and history. Jesus died, was buried, and rose again as a fact. And all of our religion is based upon that truth. So Steve, why, why would that be important to us as believers? Because I want all of you to understand today that to be a Christian is to give your life for this cause. So we don't just meet here to sing songs and worship and love each other. We meet here to worship and glorify the King of Kings and then we take this gospel to the rest of the world and it is a matter of life and death. And your neighbors and your loved ones, their lives are at stake. And they're not banking off of some kind of emotional love that just passes along the way. No, we are telling them that we have a religion that is distinct from every other religion in all the world. That we have a Messiah who died, but He is alive and well today. There is an empty tomb in Jerusalem. Christ Jesus rose again. And therefore we proclaim to all who will listen that He is the Lord of life. Nobody else in all the world can defeat death including you, but Jesus. So I say to you today, the resurrection of Christ is a historical fact. I say to you secondly, that the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is very much a personal, individual relationship with the risen Lord. Look back down if you would at the text. Look at verse number 11. But Mary 
stood outside by the tomb weeping. And she wept. There it is again at the tomb. She sees the angels and she's wondering what is happening. I want you to make your way down, if you would, here to verse number, uh, verse number 14 and 15. It says, Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Why, pray tell, do you think that she did not know that it was Jesus? I would say this to you. It is most likely because the tears that were filling her eyes in verse number 11 and 12 are the tears that are keeping her from seeing her Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in verse number 14. And Jesus says in verse number 15, Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you've carried, away, carried him away, tell me where you have, so that I may get the body of Christ. In verse 16, Jesus says to her one word, Mary. He calls her by name. And isn't it interesting that earlier on in the Gospel of John, the Bible says that my sheep hear my voice and they know me. And when Mary heard the voice of Jesus Christ, she instantly knew that it was the Lord and Savior, the one who had redeemed her from her sinful lifestyle and the one that would give her eternal life. I draw your attention to this real quickly. You notice that she, supposing him to be the gardener, this tomb scene takes place in a garden. And it's interesting that the Gospel of John begins in John chapter number 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And do you get catch the illusion between the beginning of John and the beginning of the book of Genesis? In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. It's very much a garden scene that's going on in Genesis 1. Very much a garden scene that's going on in John chapter number 1. And when we get to the end of John chapter number 20, we recognize that we are once again in a garden scene. And it is the gardener. And instead of this time, the natural creation of Genesis chapter number 1, we find in the book of John the new creation where Christ creates new hearts within His people. Amen? I would say to us today that when we have a personal encounter with the risen Lord Jesus Christ, He makes us a new creation. Old things are passed away and all things are becoming new. Now can I pause just for a moment and ask you, are you a new creation? Or are you the same person that you've always been? Be honest with yourself this morning. Are you the same person, but you've had a religious experience? Or maybe when you were a child, you had a moment of sentimentality and you came forward. Maybe you've been a member of a church or dunked in somebody's water. Or maybe you just come from a religious family. But I'm asking in your heart, in your life, in the person that is you sitting in that pew right where you are, even if you don't say a word to your husband or your wife or your father or your mother or anybody, maybe you're here today just right there in the confines of your own mind, I'm asking you, have you ever had an encounter with Jesus Christ whereby He has made you a new creation, giving you a new heart, 
Say, Pastor Steve, what does that look like? When God gives us a new heart, that means that our sins are washed away and that we have a love and a desire and a commitment to Jesus Christ. And if you're in this room today, maybe seven or 10 or 15 or 20 days has gone by and you don't ever talk to Jesus, you don't ever think about Jesus, you don't really consult Jesus, you're not in love with Christ, you're not wanting to follow him, then I tell you on the authority of the scripture, all you have is old creation. It may be a beautiful old creation. It may shine up and look pretty and you may have everybody else in the world faked out. But unless Christ Jesus is the center of your life, then you have turned from your sins and put your confidence in Christ alone. He has not made you a new creature. But the good news is today that right where you are, if you'll just simply give up fighting and say, you know what, I, I, I'm faking. I have everybody else in the world thinking I'm religious and I'm this and that and I, I do the right things. I'm a pretty good person. I have good morals. But deep in the inside of my heart, I know that I am a sinner against God. I know that I come short of the glory of God. I know that I fail in my mind and my deeds and the things that I say and what I do with my life. And something is missing. I'm telling you that if you'll be honest and let go of that and embrace the risen Lord Jesus Christ, He'll wipe away all tears from your eyes and He'll give you new life. Not only out there in the future, but right now. You see, eternal life is not about when you get to heaven. Eternal life is about living life with God right now through the presence and the power and the person of Jesus Christ. He'll wash away your sins. You're sitting here right now, some of you, in your own mind, you're thinking, man, you don't have any idea what I've done and what I've said and the things. If I look into the baggage and the closets of my life, the skeletons that are in there, they make me cringe. I'm telling you that Christ will wipe away all of the guilt and all of the shame and all of the sin and give you new life. Just like He did for Mary. I want you to notice this. Mary is unable to see Christ because of the tears in her eyes and because of the direction of her vision. Did you catch that in the text? Look one more time, if you will. That won't be long. Look, look quickly with me. Verse number 13. And then she said to her, or then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now, when she had said this, she turned. No, so she turns, right? She's looking at the tomb, empty tomb. The angels are inside. She turns. She turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Who are you seeking? And she, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. So in one moment she is looking into the empty tomb. She is looking into the place where death belongs. And now she turns to speak to the gardener. But keep reading. Jesus says to her, Mary. And what does your Bible say? She turned. 
Brothers and sisters, I I think what is going on in the text is that Mary is looking into the grave. She is looking into death and she is not understanding why death is not there. She turns for a moment to speak to the gardener and through her tears she misunderstands who he is and now she turns her attention back to the grave and back to death and back to the tomb until Jesus calls her name and she turns to him. And I would say to all of you here today, stop looking into death for your help and look into the risen life of the Lord Jesus Christ for your help. You will not find help for your life at the bottom of a bottle. You'll not find help for your life at the bottom of the backside of a terrible internet site of pornography that has you wrapped up. You'll not find help at the bottom of a relationship. You'll not find help at the bottom of having enough money in the bank. You'll not find help at having all of the felt needs of your life taken care of. For one day, all of those things will pass away. And you will stand before the God of eternity and give an account for your soul. And the only way you will abide and live forever is if you have turned with the spiritual eyes of your heart like Mary and looked into the eyes of Jesus who calls you by name and wants you to be His child. I encourage you to do that today. You might have come here today and and thought, well, it would just be a fun time and it's a part of religion and it's what we do. And maybe something that I'm saying today from the Word of God is kind of just sticking with you and touching you a little bit. I want to encourage you to pray today and get alone today and think today and stop looking for life in the grave and look for life in the face of Jesus Christ. He'll redeem you. He'll wash your sins away. Notice what she says here. Jesus says to her one word, Mary. And she turned around and says to him, Rabuni. This simply just means my teacher, my Lord, my teacher, my rabbi, the one that I followed. She hears his voice, knows who he is, believes on him, and is given eternal life. The right response when God calls your name is to leave everything and believe on him. I tell you that the resurrection is a historical fact. And the resurrection requires a personal response. But I would say this to you lastly today, for all of my believers that are gathered here today, the resurrection is universal proclamation. Look at what happens. Verse number 17. Jesus says to her, Uh, Some of your translations may say something like, don't touch me, or he's really saying here, don't cling on to me, right? My work isn't done. Her response is to call out Lord, Master, Teacher, and to jump on him, or to fall at his feet and wrap her hands around him. And really what he's saying is, listen, I've got to ascend into heaven. I have to finish the job. I have descended into the heart of the earth and preached captivity captive. I am Lord over heaven and earth and things under the earth. And he is ascending back in hand and said, listen, I have a responsibility here. And yet her response is to love him and to fall at his feet. But look, for I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father and to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples. 
when somebody comes into a relationship with Jesus Christ like Mary, whereby you turn from your sin and you realize, I need Jesus with all of my heart. And you trust Him. He gives you a new creation. He saves you. You become His child. That naturally leads to obedience to Jesus to tell everybody else about what Christ has done. Maybe I would just ask you today, if you really are here today to celebrate the resurrection and your faith and confidence in Jesus Christ, how obedient are you being to the call to tell the rest of the world about the risen Lord Jesus Christ? I know your life is busy. I know you have many things going on. But I, I would say, just as I prayed earlier, I, I say for, for our people today, maybe this would be a moment in time where you could recommit your life to saying, you know what, this message of the gospel is true and right and good. It has saved me from hell. It has given me heaven. And I am walking with Jesus every day. I need to share this truth with unbelievers. Would you give your life to that cause? Or maybe I should ask you today, what cause have you given your life to? You might be here today and you're at such an age where you say, man, Pastor Steve, I, I, I've lived my life. I, I've retired. I, I had a cause. I did this. I did that. Hey, I, I'm telling you, until you die, what cause are you living for? What raptures your heart? What captures your attention? What are you living and dying for? Is it to tell the whole world that Jesus has rose from the grave? What are you living for? Christ Jesus came into the world to live and die and be raised again so that every man, woman, and boy and girl in all the world who would put their confidence in Christ might have eternal life. Many scholars call this passage the great recognition. The great recognition. You see where they get that right? Mary is blinded by the tears in her eyes. She has this going back and forth with the gardener. And finally, she comes to the moment where Jesus calls her by name and she recognizes that it's Christ. I wonder today if you might have a great recognition day in your life, lost or saved. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, what could you possibly want? The, the poor stammering lips of this poor preacher, but giving you the word of the living God, a beautiful choir singing, many people praying for you and have been praying for months on end that you would come to a great recognition moment in your life where you'd wipe the tears from your eyes, stop looking into death for life and look into the face of Jesus and say, I give up. I want you to be the king of my life. I'll follow you all the days of my life. Give me a new heart this day. Would you come and recognize Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And every believing person in this room today, would you not recognize afresh Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Leave here today and make Him the reason why you live this next week. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? Heads bowed and eyes closed. Brothers and sisters, in just a minute, you'll hear some music playing. We'll stand, we'll sing a hymn of response. 
Nobody looking around right now. I'm not going to ask you to do anything odd or that would make you uncomfortable. If you're here this morning, nobody, please, nobody looking around. Believers praying. If you're in this room this morning, say, you know what? I'm just not sure that I have trusted Christ. I'm not sure that I am a believer. I heard what you said. I grew up religious, but I don't have this ongoing relationship with Jesus, and I'm nervous about that. If there's anybody in here this morning, nobody looking around, would you just make eye contact with me for a moment just so I can say thank you? Anybody else today? So I'm just not sure. I'd like to talk with somebody about that sometime. Thank you. See that? Anybody else? Listen to me, my friend. Make this the good, glad day that you trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So Steve, how, how do I do that? In a minute, we'll stand. You're more than welcome to come down and talk with somebody. But right where you are, in childlike faith, if you'll just simply say, Lord, I, I want to be saved. I want to be your child. Will you help me? Will you save me? He's a gracious Father and a loving Savior and a beautiful Spirit that will save you. I wonder about my believers here this morning. Would you let this be a hallmark Easter in your life where you say, you know what? Tears haven't been blocking my vision of the Savior. The dust of my own sin has. Ask Christ to pour the water of life into your eyes and wash them out so that you might see how beautiful and wonderful and glorious He is and leave here today with a renewed desire to tell everybody that you possibly can about how good He is. You've been listening to Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh. For more information and free access to other messages, please visit us at ebcraleigh.com.